Hey, before we get on to this new episode, if you're looking to add more science-based tools to your teaching, I want to give you a two-week free trial of the VIP membership. Two weeks, 100% for free. You'll get access to a host of workshops, including ones on sciatica, total knee replacements, uh, tennis elbow, and so much more. Okay, In fact, you'll also get to join live workshops every single month, and I'll provide you research reviews, programming support, tons of Pilates classes, and a host of other resources to help you become the best instructor possible. Go ahead and start your two-week free trial with the link in the show notes, and if you decide it's not for you, no problem. You can cancel at no cost, and you'll just end up getting some free education along the way. But if you love it and you want to keep it, you can do so for as low as $1 per day. You have no risk, and by starting your free trial, you might just expose yourself to the best education of your career. With that said, let's get on to this new episode. Welcome to another episode of the Evidence-Based Pilates Podcast, and we have another awesome uh, topic to discuss today in which we are going to be discussing, do our clients actually want Pilates? And dun, 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 the answer is, it depends. Oh, man. If you ever want to uh, know the right answer to any exercise science question, you just have to say, it depends, right? And you're already halfway there. Um, so our framework for our session today is that we're going to discuss like what our, meaning the Pilates instructor's definition of Pilates is, um, how that might be different than your client's definition of Pilates. Uh, we're going to talk about how, like what they say, like what they say they want is not always what they want, right? What a customer says they want is not always what they want, okay? How to understand what our clients want, and also how, at the end of the day, Pilates exercises, they're not your product. But let's go ahead and let's dive in, right? So it's important whenever having a conversation to have common definitions, okay? Because if, if I'm working from a different, different definition of what Pilates is than you are, we are going to have confusion right away or down the line in a conversation. For the Pilates instructor, the definition of what Pilates is depends on what your experience of Pilates has been, right? A, uh, a, cla like a, like a classical instructor or an instructor that went to a contrology-based school is going to have a more historical definition of Pilates, just more likely, right? Like when I was, uh, when I drank the Kool-Aid and I went to classical Pilates school and I was like, live, eat, breathe, classical Pilates, nothing else compares to it. It's the best, right? And I was like that for years. Um, that was my definition of Pilates and so many other things were not like Pilates. However, if someone went to um, like a stop Pilates or a Bassi Pilates, a breathe ed education, um, a uh, pole star, Right, just we we just may end up with different definitions, and and that's why we we don't really have a definition of what Pilates is. Right, it's very subjective. Um, I, I know. I, hey, before I get canceled, I know that there will be like no, like Pilates is what Joseph taught, so that's what we have to give our clients. And I'm getting around to that. 
Um, but Joseph Pilates taught contrology, right? And so with that, uh, you know, that's very specific. If you're like, I teach contrology, you teach return to life, right? And those are the mad exercises that you teach. <laughs> By the way, this series of five is not in there. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, anyways, um, so with that, you, like, you teach the original repertoire. Anything outside of that is, is really contrology inspired from one degree to another, right? Some are five degrees away and some are one degree away. But with that, it is important to recognize that our definition of what Pilates is may be different just within the industry. And I'm not here to poo-poo on any definition. I, I think that it's a beautiful thing that there are multiple definitions. And when there's multiple definitions, you're going to capture different personalities. And therefore, more people of the world are going to do Pilates because I, like, I love the original repertoire, but I've also worked with um, hundreds of people that get bored to shit with it. So they leave. Right. And so, but they get more entertained off like an athletic based reformer or, or a different type. Right. So anyways, so, um, our definition might differ and, and our client's definition a lot of times is not what our definition is. And so when our clients come in and they say like, oh, I'm purchasing Pilates, a, a, co a common argument from like a traditionalist point of view is like they pay for Pilates. So you need to give them Pilates, but I'm here to question like, are they actually purchasing Pilates or are they purchasing the perceived value that Pilates has been marketed to provide them? Okay. So for example, when a client comes in and they purchase, uh, I don't know, like your intro pack, a lot of times it's like three, three pack, you know, for like 60% of what it actually costs, whatever. So they, they purchase a three pack of uh, sessions. They want to try Pilates out. They're generally not signing up to take, like, I only want original repertoire. Don't give me anything else. Right. They're like an open canvas. And a lot of times they have an idea of what Pilates may provide them. Right. Cause your clients are generally purchasing the, the result. Okay. And that's just marketing one-on-one. Like you sell the result, you don't sell the product. An airline doesn't, does not sell you the flight. Okay. No airline selling you the flight. Like, oh, we have the smoothest ride. No, they sell you the destination. Okay. They sell you the destination because that's the result of taking a flight with them is you land in Hawaii. Right. So they sell you the result and that's just marketing one-on-one. And, and as Pilates, we, end, you know, we should be selling the result or that would be a bias, a marketing bias, a business bias of mine would be we sell the result, but at, because at the end of the day, that's what our clients are purchasing, right? They're purchasing a result. So as a result of doing Pilates, I experience X, Y, and Z. And there are many ways to, to win with this. Now, some clients may come to Pilates because their neighbor told them it was great for core strength. Uh, don't you just love that one? Oh my God, this one again, right? So their perceived value or the result of taking Pilates is that they'll get a stronger core. That's their definition of Pilates. Pilates is an exercise modality that strengthens your core. And a lot of times it's different than like the Pilates instructor's definition. So in that client's mind, they're purchasing core strength, which we're going to talk about a little bit more because a lot of times people don't want that. They want the result of what they think core strength will give them, but they're not buying Pilates exercises. Right. Cause if you gave them Pilates exercises and then you gave them no results, you like, they don't want it. 
but generally, I know someone, somebody out there still will, but like generally they want the result of what you're, what you're, um, what you are doing in the Pilates. Okay. This is why that notion of like, um, you have to teach original repertoire because that's Pilates. And then our clients are buying Pilates. So therefore we need to give them Pilates. I'm here just to throw some other thoughts in there where it's like, yeah, that has some merit, but I'd say that your clients are actually buying a result of how they've been marketed Pilates. Um, another individual might come into Pilates, right? Because they're, maybe their OBGYN said that Pilates was a great form of exercise during, uh, a, you know, prenatal and postpartum periods of their life, right? So they are there not to really, like, they're not there to learn the original repertoire. They might appreciate it, who knows? But they are there to maintain their health and wellness and their fitness during pregnancy and postpartum, right? So then that's what they're purchasing. They're purchasing, like, exercise that they perceive as healthy and safe during this period of their life, okay? Another individual might, they might have three herniated discs and they're having pain down their leg, right? Uh, that would be a sign and symptom of a symptomatic needed this. And so with that, they, they were told by their doctor to go try Pilates because it's safe and it, it's a, it's a, I don't know, low impact and controlled exercise, right? They're also not purchasing original repertoire. I don't, I don't, I would, I would suggest that we don't actually have to give them contrology, right? We can just give them the result that they want. Now, mind you, right, there will be like one in a thousand people that, that come in a Pilates studio and they actually do. They want like genuine, like uh, they want genuine original repertoire. Okay. I have been screened by like just uh, back in the day, like pre-COVID, putting up like um, postcards and coffee shops and just little marketing things that you do in the neighborhood. And I had someone call and they were vetting me. They were like, well, where did you train? How many hours was it? Was it classical? And then asking me exercises, what I thought about them. It was like a job interview. They were a great client, right? They, they just wanted classical Pilates. And, and I happened to, to know it and be very familiar with the repertoire. And that's what I gave them because that's what that client wanted, right? That's like the one in a thousand. Or if you're teaching like a teacher trainee, right? they're going to have a different definition of Pilates, right? It's going to be, you don't want to teach them Pilates that's aligned with their training, which depends on the training. Yeah? So when our clients say, or when our clients buy Pilates, do we have to give them Pilates? Well, what, 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 are, what do they think they're buying? How do they define Pilates, right? What are the results that they're looking for from that? And that's what we should provide. Yeah, that, 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 that would be my edge on this. And I'm not just like here to say that's what you have to do. Uh, by all means, do what you what you feel comfortable with. Do something in your scope of practice that you've been trained with. But I also just want to provide another perspective that we just because our clients buy a ten pack of Pilates doesn't necessarily mean we have to stick to Pilates. I've had people come here and do Pilates, and you know what we did: back squats and deadlifts, and we did the hundred and stuff too, and and they were happy, right? Always ask them like, "Hey, is it cool if we use other equipment?" No one ever had a problem with it. Um, so with that, I'm not saying go buck wild and like just go teach a Zumba class and call it Pilates, right? So if you go too far to the end, then it's like, well, yeah, like you're literally doing Zumba, right? I, I'm not hating on Zumba. Holy shit. If you've never done a Zumba class, go do it. You'll get humbled. Some of those humbling exercises I've ever had 
Hey, shout out to all the Zumba people. But I would be like, well, yeah, now you're not really doing that. But within like um, somewhere between the two bookends of like you're only doing controlology exercise as you see on YouTube via Joseph Pilates, classical, um, you know, like our traditional Pilates exercises, like never doing anything outside of that, right? Like it's a religion, not an exercise. And then uh, the other bookends of like, now we pulled out the 90s boombox and we're doing freaking Zumba. Somewhere in between that, right? I think it's okay to play around, right? And, and, and the reason for that is we're providing client-centered care, right? Provide client, providing client-centered care, it's like, do your clients want Pilates? Yes. But what that means to them just may not be the same as the training that you've had. And, and that's like the beauty of freaking teaching, right? It's meeting our clients where they're at. And then we can educate and provide them more, in, more in, you know, insight on the history of Pilates or how you learn Pilates and all the stuff. But what they're signing up for most likely is some kind of a result from Pilates because what, and, and, and even with that, like what they say they want is not always what they want. And, and they're not like dumb. They're not just like intentionally misleading you, right? That's, that's just, it's how the world works, right? We say we want this thing. But what we actually want is what we think that thing opens up, right? We want a million dollars. Well, why? It's not because you want a million dollars, right? That makes no difference. Like it's just in your bank account. But because you have a million dollars, maybe you don't have to show up to that job you hate. I mean, we don't, right? Because we're Pilates instructors. But um, but like maybe you, you, you can have more freedom in your life. Oh, you don't want a million dollars. You want freedom, right? You want financial freedom and you want the resources to do whatever you want. Right. That's just like a non Pilates example, uh, an easy Pilates example. Oh, you're going to have, have you ever heard of this? I want to strengthen my core be, to, so then I can protect my back because I have back pain. Right. Ah, classic. It's never going away. Right. So it's just, you just got to handle that conversation. So, um, so with that, right. If you like with this example, the client says, I want to do Pilates. And then we go, well, why do you want to do Pilates? Right. What brings you here? Well, I want to strengthen my core to protect my low back. That client, I'm going to tell you that client does not want core strength. They want less back pain. Hear me out. I mean, great, like strengthen their core and do all the things, but like also strengthen anything else. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. My only ask of you as a listener is to leave a five-star review. Leaving a review helps this podcast grow and have a greater influence on the Pilates industry. I do this 100% for free. I do not and will never accept advertisements on this podcast. It is 100% for free. And you can go ahead and make a huge difference and allow this to grow by leaving a five-star review. If you measured their core strength, right? You can do so like, like an endurance test to just like have someone like lie down on their back, they curl forward like you would in the hundred and you hold it for as long as you, as long as you can, right? You can put the hands in different positions, hand them weights and all that. You can measure the, their endurance of their spinal flexors, and then you can interpret that as their abdominal strength. There's plenty of different ways to do it. You can do it in a plank too. Um, so let's say like you measure that at baseline at day one, and let's say we did a plank, they could plank for 15 seconds. And they're like, oh my God, my core is so weak. And then, you know, nicely we were like, oh yeah, you know, we can strengthen it. And then they're, you know, and, and then they rate their back pain seven out of 10, right? 
they have seven out of 10 back pain and they can hold the plank for 15 seconds. You do Pilates with them for two months, two months. And you know what? Their plank went from 15 seconds to 60. Whoa, right? So much stronger. But now their back pain is eight out of 10. Makes no sense, right? Uh, but let's say it happened, right? They're still in agony. They're still having back pain forever. That client probably wouldn't have made it to two months. Because it's because yeah, you strengthen their core, their ability to do things, uh, but they that's not what they wanted. They wanted a reduction in back pain, okay? and then the opposite, right? So what if like the same thing? They could hold a fifteen second plank. They had seven out of ten back pain. They did Pilates. Let's say two months again. Yeah, their plank got up to like twenty seconds, but it's still like not impressive. Sorry for us plank people that do twenty seconds. We can work on that, right? But like, let's say it's like it didn't really improve a lot. Like five seconds in a plank for over two months of training—that's like really that, that's not that's not a significant difference. Um, so with that, but now they don't even have back pain. Like you ask them about about their back pain, and they're like, "Oh yeah, like I forgot about that." Have you ever had that where you ask your client about something and they like a pain? They're like, "Oh yeah, totally forgot about that thing." Sounds like it's not a problem anymore. The client that had the reduction in pain and like no difference in their core strength, they're gonna stick around, right? Because the, the, the treatment solved the problem, even though the best exercise for low back pain is time, right? They may attribute it to Pilates and Pilates could have something to do with it. We got things moving, right? Mix it up and all the things. But I'm gonna tell you that that client is going to stick around way more likely if we solve their back pain, regardless of their core strength. And like, that's just like one example. Another example could be um, like, oh, what brings you here? Well, I'm out of shape and I just want like long, lean muscles, right? Uh, and we just love these. Yeah, they're so stereotypical, right? That client doesn't really want long, lean muscles or they might, right? They might, but they're gonna want something attached to that, right? A client who feel, who's reportedly out of shape, wanting long, lean muscles is probably achy, right? Like. Like probably not feeling the best. I get, I'm achy right now. I haven't exercised yet today. Um, and so if you don't exercise for a while, you're, you know, less likely to feel like, you know, having that sense of vitality, right. And just able to like walk up the stairs and do, and do functional tasks uh, without really thinking about it. Um, shout out to all the Pilates instructors who can do that. Um, so with that, right, like that client, like they don't want, they, they want to probably be less achy. They want to have more vitality in their day. And, and maybe they have a birthday with a zero at the end coming up, right? And they're like, I want to get my long lean muscles. And it's like an anti-aging uh, strategy for them. Uh, what I'm trying to get out of this is like, there's so much underneath what people tell us. Okay? What our clients, they, what they say they want, they're not lying. They're not fools or nothing, right? There's just usually more to the story. And it's helpful to learn how to understand what our clients really want, okay? Or even sometimes to help them understand what they really want. And, and if you're like, whoa, dude, like we are not therapists. Well, you use psychology every day, okay? Like just like, like your cancellation policy is operant conditioning, right? If you cancel within 20, you should have a cancellation policy. If you don't have one, you, it's one of those things like, if you don't have one, you're going to because people will piss you off. Uh, be like, dang it, another cancellation, I don't get paid, right? And then you get a cancellation and you get paid, you're like, huh, life's better on this side. You have a cancellation policy, it's operating conditioning, right? So what happens is your clients cancel, 
right? Um, within the time period, you get paid your $80 or whatever it is for the session. Whoa, $80, maybe it's 40. I don't know where you live. Um, let's say it's one of those things, right? And then what happens is your client cancels less, right? As a result of consequences, they change their behavior, right? Or we give client, we give education like home exercise programs or behavior, like, like, like we want to have, you know, give people um, ideas to exercise more. That's behavior change. We're always working with psychology. So understanding how to understand what our clients actually want is our job. You can't get away from doing a little psychology. Okay. We're always communicating. One of the, one of the uh, most effective ways to do so is what's called an open-ended question, which leads us to the big listen, right? So our clients come in, they say they want Pilates, right? We should give them Pilates, but I'm going to, but I'm here suggesting that we should find out what they think Pilates is and then what they want as a result and what those results actually mean to them. So open-ended questions are questions that can't be answered with like a one word answer. Right, so you can't say yes or no to that answer. It requires that you that you tell a story, right? That you that you use the full sentence, right? Or sometimes clients will just talk for five minutes, and you'll be like, "Oh man, I got to stop with these open-ended questions." So it can go south. It can totally go south. Okay, I hear you, but hear me out. Okay, if we want to understand what our clients want, ask them open-ended questions, right? Because your clients have the answer. Okay, your clients have the answer on like what you should provide them. Okay, so like a, a good way or one way to do so, right? Let's say you're working with someone and you're trying to figure out like what do they actually want, right? Um, and they say they want like core strength for low back pain and, and, and you're just not, not quite convinced or you want a little bit more, you know, um, you want to dig a little bit. Um, you could say something like, uh, like, what would success uh, look like for you, right? Like if you and I were to work together and we, and you considered it successful, what would you experience? Ooh, that can be some powerful shit. Okay. Just like doing that just begs for them to open up, right? So asking questions that require your clients to open up can give you a ton of information in terms of what they actually want, okay? Or helping them figure out what they actually want. Like, what would you experience if we were to be successful? Okay, okay. so you would experience less low back pain. Awesome, and so if you had less low back pain, what kinds of activities would you get back to doing? Boom. And they're like, oh, yeah, I would get back to gardening, but I just can't garden so much because it hurts my back. So I've been totally avoiding it. Your client wants to get back to gardening, right? Like, do you see how that I can open that up to be like, my client doesn't want like the long stretch series. My client wants to get back to gardening, but the long stretch series can be super helpful because elephant can help, you know, flex the spine, maybe lengthen up the hamstrings. Upstretch can challenge your strength and go from the all kinds of shapes. Like you can use that, but your clients aren't coming for the exercise. Your client would be coming for the results of that exercise. So two things in terms of how to understand what your clients want is one, okay, ask them open-ended questions. And then two, do the big listen. Another, another way of saying the big listen is like, shut up. <laughs> don't, 
use the ears, right? And I trust me, I'm not good. I, I'm practicing this. Trust me, I'm totally practicing this. And I mean it in the most heartfelt way, right? It's just not interrupting them. Okay, not interrupting them when they're talking. And when they give you an answer, can you figure out like, like can you reflect that back to them to let them know that that you're listening? And then also continue to ask open ended questions to try and get more out of them. Okay, because if you do a really good intake, yeah, I mean, so we don't always have the time, right? Sometimes footwork is going to be our intake. But if you do a really good intake and get a really great understanding, one, it helps build your rapport with your clients, so building therapeutic alliance, but you'll actually figure out why they're there and how you can help them. And a lot of times you will use like OG repertoire because OG repertoire is freaking awesome. But it, just like anything else, it just has its limitations, right? Um, and so sometimes you gotta go outside of it. But at the end of the day, the one thing I wanna, one other thing I wanna discuss with you today is that like Pilates exercises are not your product. They're not what you're selling. And you're, they're, they're part of it, right? But it's like, you're not just selling exercises. There's so much more to the experience of doing Pilates with you, whether it be group, uh, whether it be one-on-one uh, -on -one or anything in between that. Um, th there's so much more to the experience than the actual exercise. Um, part of it would be just like social support. Right? Like it's awesome just to be in a group. Like I took a spin class yesterday. Was it yesterday? Shit, the days are long. I think it was yesterday. Um, I took a spin class and it's not because like, it's not because I wanted to spin really. I just wanted to be in a group, right? I just needed to get out of the house, be in a group. So I'm just using myself as an example. Like I use spin class, which isn't my favorite form of exercise. It's like tolerable, but I wanted to be in a group and I wanted someone fun. So I went with a fun teacher, right? That was, but I didn't really go to spin spin my feet around a bunch of times, I went for the experience. And so do your clients, right? Your clients come to Pilates for the experience of Pilates. Sometimes the experience of Pilates is I get to leave my kids at home for an hour, right? We all have those clients. Or it's like I can leave my work for an hour or, or anything, right? Maybe sometimes it's just getting away from something else. You're also providing routine, right? And sometimes people like lack the... Um, the motivation and things like that to go to the gym. So like, they, it, like they're the people that can't just buy a gym membership and meet activity guidelines, right? Like there's no way they'll buy the membership, they'll, they'll never go kind of thing, uh, which is why those like 1999, um, like $19.99 gyms make massive profits. They make them off people who don't exercise. Um, so with that, maybe they just need the routine. They need the appointment. I'll use myself as an example. A year and a half ago, right, I started going to Barry's Bootcamp, which I highly recommend because I needed the routine. I needed, I was, you know, in the middle of grad school. I needed like an appointment to get me away from my desk. Boom. That was so helpful. And it's also helpful for your clients that they have a 9 a.m. appointment. That's part of your experience. That's yeah, part of your product. You're selling routine. You're selling social support. Also, just like general exercise. Okay, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. They're that your product is Pilates exercises. Your Pilates is just regular ex. Like it's just like I know it's special exercise, but it is just like you're getting them exercising, and, and it's an exercise that they enjoy. I'm assuming your clients enjoy Pilates if they do Pilates. Okay gross assumption. Maybe you're just selling like an exercise that's different than their routine, right? Like I've had my people that need to kind of exercise less, like they don't stop exercising. They do like seven different kinds. They exercise way more than I would, um, you know, and they just want something different. They feel like it's balancing it out. 
Um, sometimes it's just entertainment. That's why I went to spin class. I went for the lights and the music and the person, right? Which is awesome. Um, so sometimes like it's just your personality or your friendship. Okay. You're selling your friendship. Yeah. That's part of social support, but it could also just be other support too. Like people want to integrate themselves in the neighborhood. They, maybe they're, they're um, like someone who's recently retired is classic or someone who just recently moved to the neighborhood. Um, things like that. You could be selling friendship. Okay. Because, you know, sometimes our clients become our friends, um, you know, but also like accountability. Okay. If they get charged $75 or $20, whatever it is, if for not showing up Tuesday at 10 a.m., you're selling accountability because you know what? They are there Tuesday at 10 a.m. Because when I'm on the client side of things, oh man, I, I have like an aversion to paying a late fee. I won't do it. Okay. I will show up hungover on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. because I'm not paying $10 to not be here. Yeah. It's sometimes it's just really motivating and accountable. It, it creates accountability for people. Um, I'm not hungover every Saturday. I, I just live my life sometimes. But um, with that, I hope that, that this episode has been helpful, right? Just to think about like, what do our clients really want? Okay. And also um, therapeutic for anyone who has ever been told that what they do is not Pilates enough and that um, some, some troll on the internet, internet um, who's well-meaning and all the nice things I'm supposed to say, um, tells you that you have to sell, like your clients are buying Pilates. So why are you not giving them Pilates? And then you walk away feeling like a fraud. Uh, you're not a fraud. Okay. You're a good person. And the bet, and the, the only feedback you ever need on your services is from your clients. Okay. Like take that home with you. Okay. Your, your client, your clients are enjoying the experience with you. And, and I hope that that's validating and it's valid in, and you can be validated by that because they're showing up. Okay. They're showing up for you and your product is so much more than the Pilates exercises. Um, with that said, if you are ever, uh, you know, interested in joining a community of like-minded instructors, I'd be more than happy to offer you a two-week free trial of the VIP membership where you can uh, join a growing community of over 200 Pilates instructors and learn science-based content for as low as $1 a day. Okay? I really can't like justify making this any uh, any more uh, affordable. I just want to help Pilates instructors and um, you can try it for free. Um, you know, there's, there's eight workshops in, in the membership right now and just waiting for you. Uh, tons of research reviews, Pilates classes, programming support, uh, and so much more. But most of all, you get to join a community of over 200 Pilates instructors. With that, it has been an absolute pleasure to hang out with you again. And uh, thank you for listening to the Evidence-Based Pilates podcast and uh, keep making a difference for your clients. Have an awesome rest of your day.